and welcome to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. My name is Victoria Rush. Here, I'll be talking to marketing leaders in the recruitment industry, discussing their careers in recruitment, passions for marketing, and the challenges and successes they have faced along the way. My aim for this podcast is to share the opinions and insights of a variety of experts from across the recruitment marketing landscape. I'll be discussing their experiences and learns while building recruitment brands around the world. Welcome back to the Recruitment Marketing Podcast. This week, I'm joined by Daniel Fellows, previously Marketing Director of Indeed and now founder of Get Optimal. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Very grateful to be here. Thank you. So to start off, who are you? What is Get Optimal? How's it all come about? So I'm Daniel Fellows, Danny to my mum. She's the only person that calls me Danny. I'm not quite sure why. Uh, Get Optimal content. We're in week week 11 of trading, which is hugely exciting. Uh, it's a mixture of anxiety and excitement, I'm sure as you've experienced yourself. It really came out of a, out of a frustration from a lot of people that I met the last two to three years working at Indeed, working at, at Vodafone and a couple of startups. Just that, that inability to understand how to write a job advert. Sounds quite simple, right? But actually there's so much science that sits behind that. There's quite a lot of art as well. And the more recruiters I met, the more talent attraction, the more HR people, the more business owners, frankly, they're like, well, I don't know what to do. Can you do this? And I said, well, no, I can't do it. That's not currently um, sort of my role. They don't have time to do it. They don't understand how to do it. Recruiters, as, as you know, having been one for many years, you guys are talent consultants. You're exceptional at what you do in terms of attracting, influencing and placing candidates. But when it comes to job adverts, I don't know what you think, but it's really the least favorite part of their role and it's important to people enjoy their jobs right it's, it's why we do what we do is to enjoy what we do so get optimal content having an on-demand job advert optimization service we take away that need for recruiters for talent attraction specialists business owners to do the part of their job they least enjoy we're giving them time back to go and source to go and recruit equally go to the gym at lunchtime go meet your friends in the evening and also just generally as our video says just feel happier it's incredibly important to be happy what you do so we're learning we're in test mode we've got nine customers at the moment in the uk one in the us and one this morning in Perth, Australia. We're sort of a global company, a global product, but yeah, we're learning. We've got a great piece of technology, a really good publishing platform that Warren, our CTO, has built. And every day our customers, our recruiters are giving us good feedback, bad feedback, and we're just looking to learn and look to grow as we scale next year in 2020. Unbelievable, isn't it? It is, isn't I remember it? New Year's Eve 99 when the banks were going to you know, be all turned off as yeah, well. Yeah, every, everything was going to turn to zero instead of making it into the yes. millennium. Yeah, I, I uh, vaguely remember. So you're far too young, probably. <laughs> um, so in short get optimal content is about building the best job descriptions and as we know recruiters aren't copywriters they don't know how to write everything copy and pasting a job description from uh, a client doesn't make it the best adverts to bring in the right candidates no it's just and, and again you know you're a recruiter every recruiter I meet they're incredibly hard-working they're incredibly focused they're great at what they do but they're not content and copy editors I was very lucky at indeed very lucky at Vodafone to come across amazing amounts of insights and intelligence around you know how people find jobs, how people search for jobs as we move not away from the job board model because I think that very much has a, a near-term future. An algorithm is looking for content. It's looking for relevant content for LinkedIn, for Google, for jobs, for Indeed. They want to match what the candidate is searching for and they want to match them to that role in probably 0.08 seconds as it shows when they return the results on Google. So having highly optimized job adverts from an SEO point of view is incredibly important for that candidate attraction for that outbound marketing strategy, but also for your own careers website as well. And also, should you be working with an Adobe or Logic Mel 
if you're multi-posting out to 2,000 sites, why would you pu publish, uh, let's say, not very good, politely, not very good job adverts to, for 2,000 different sites, to then receive um, candidates into your talent attraction pipeline who can't fulfill the job that you're, you're, you're searching for? So ultimately, what you become is, is really admin, you know? And it's very frustrating, again, speaking to recruiters every single day. If we can optimize your advert, you can publish that out across multiple different channels. The quality that we're seeing coming in is far greater than the quality that they're used to getting. And that's, that's great, you know, that's, that's something we're really working with. How did Get Optimal Content come about? Where did the idea from come from? Where did you notice that there was this gap in the market? Just by reading job adverts, to be to be very frank with you, I, I was very lucky um, at Vodafone indeed to, to go into a lot of big companies, a lot of boards, and we'd be talking to you know really successful people, and you'd be showing illustrations of the adverts that had been there maybe maybe a year. There was one advert I won't name the clients, but the advert was, "Do you want to travel the world?" And you go, "Right, okay, wow, this is an amazing job." Is it travel? I don't know. Am I going to go on a cruise ship? Uh, and it was for an accountant in Surrey. Um, that role had been clicked on, I don't know the exact figure, around 70,000 times. And it's, it's a cost per click because it's performance marketing. Guess what? That costs you a hell of a lot of money. So again, it was just so many examples of those scenarios. Seeing my friends who are also recruiters getting quite stressed, getting quite anxious, not having enough time in their day to do that part of the job. I had a mate who runs a recruitment consultancy who missed his kids rugby because he had to do the job adverts. He didn't trust the 30 consultants that worked with him because even his top biller would continually make mistakes within the advert. So for us to step in and take that away from him, it's great from business point of view, but also personally, it's wonderful because people are happier and people are less stressed as well. So it was all of these things coming together. I've got quite a lot of marketing technology experience. I don't have a huge amount of experience in recruitment. And I think that's that's quite a positive because we have very high expectations within marketing, within when I worked on Microsoft and Vodafone to then come to a completely different business. And again, everyone is working so hard, but perhaps everyone is maybe, maybe on it too much and not in it. It was quite nice to come with fresh eyes and bill it indeed the head of the UK always said, Dan, never lose those fresh eyes because, you know, we've been doing this for 10, 20 years, whereas you're very new to it. So looking at different solutions. Why do you think the advert has been so lost and left behind in the industry where we actually use job adverts to bring in the candidates, which is what makes the industry money. That's where all of the revenue is actually generated. The advert is such a key point. Outside of headhunting, which unless you've got some of the most difficult roles to fill, you shouldn't need to be doing. Why have we left it behind? Why haven't we helped upskill, educate, or empower recruiters to have the best adverts out there? If you're Nike, they're trainers, they're adverts, they are the best you can get. That is, that is how they work. The same with all the big brands. They advertise to their market to get the best customers, to get more customers, to make more money. Why in recruitment have we left behind the one advert that drives all that revenue? I think there's multiple answers. I suppose number one, hey, why bother, right? We're doing well. We've got, we're placing 15% of all the candidates that we need to place. The house isn't burning down. You know, again, I remember trying to introduce new technologies to, in, to Vodafone and you're meeting resistance because they've done 38 billion revenue that year. So actually, why do you need to make those changes? And I think with recruitment, we're now very much in a, a candidate-driven market. We have been probably for, for two years, maybe two and a half years. We have record vacancies across the UK as well. So, so now finally it's right. They're responding to my adverts. Even big, big brands are not getting the level of traffic coming through from sites like LinkedIn, indeed, as they used to do. Candidates will look at the, the job advert the first time, incidentally, they come into contact with your brand. And also, if these candidates are your customers, it's an incredibly negative experience when they're going through maybe an advert with, let's say, 12,000 characters or sometimes 30, 40 bullet points. It's a, it's a really negative experience. 
So now it's okay, things are moving into more of an algorithm-based sort of job searching market. We know how candidates are searching for jobs. What's the one thing we're not doing? Well, we're not doing a few things. You've got candidate journey, you've got candidate experience, you've got employer branding as well, but you need to influence the top of the funnel and the top of the funnel is the job advert. So again, it's, it's really encouraging working with, I call them my visionary customers. People, people get this and they've been looking for this for quite a few years. And some of the partners we're, we're looking to sign with, they're saying, oh, it's been on a roadmap for two years, Dan, but we've not, not quite got round to it. So we know there's a demand from the clients and we know from our partners, there's demand from their customers as well. So very long-winded answer uh, to that. But I think now, because we can't find the quality of candidates coming through, you can still get quantity, but not the quality of candidates that you need to make the placements or from a direct employer, place those candidates into your business and allow them to thrive and succeed. And I think also we're moving, it's important to hire people for the right culture. Indeed was fabulous in hiring people for the right culture. And I think, again, it's the whole interview process takes a hell of a long time. That sourcing process, that onboarding process, particularly in a sales environment, can be 12, 18 months till they start making a profit for your business. So why would we neglect the first part of that journey? And I think now a lot of folks that I'm talking to, and I think people you talk to as well, realize that, right, let's just get our job adverts done, not just to free up the time, but also we need to get more quality candidates into our pipelines. We can't expect recruiters to be good at everything. No, we absolutely. expect them to be able to source, to be able to close, then you've got to expect them to be able to write job ads. They can't, they literally can't do everything. And the fact that it takes up so much time, but when done correctly, will bring in so many more better candidates, which will actually free up time. You're, you're looking at investing in saving time, which will make more money. Yep. Uh, and it's, it's kind of explaining to an industry that works so linearly in terms of billing revenue expenditure is a no because we want to make more money when actually it's investment into time saving and it, recruitment isn't wholly an industry that understands that yet or looks at investment in that way it looks at bringing money into its company but it doesn't look at spending to be better it looks at cutting as much spending as possible to not actually help and we all know that recently indeed have cut off recruitment agencies they're getting rid of them you know there's going to be no more traffic from indeed to to agency websites what that'll actually do is Cut, it could cut between 50 and 90% of the traffic recruitment agencies get to their website. Alarm bells, alarm if bells. If you lose 50, yeah. not even that, if you lose 50% mm. of your traffic to your website, use 50% of your applications, what next? Nobody's looking at what happens when it'll be fine, it'll be fine. I know agencies that have been cut off by Indeed before as punishment for bad job ads and all this kind of stuff, and they've clawed it back eventually, but every agency loses that kind of traffic. There is no plan B to regaining candidates other than hit the phones harder, which isn't actually a solution to the problem. Or win the Euro Millions. Or win the Euro Millions, which unfortunately, well, we're not going to be doing that much longer either, but... Because they need to replace the traffic, and the only way you can replace the traffic is to sponsor all of your roles as well. And if you're getting, as you rightly say, between 50, 80, 90% of traffic coming organically and free, that is a hell of a difficult conversation to have with your, you know, your finance director, your, your team to say, look, I now need this to replace what we are getting previously as well. So, yeah, and again, it's thinking of the largest staffing agencies that have got sometimes three or four thousand recruiters one of our customers is hopefully going on the sort of the 12th yearly license they've got 400 recruiters and we worked out we're going to save them 13,000 hours not writing job adverts next year you know I can hear the, the cheers all around the, the country but again those 13,000 hours they're saving should facilitate each recruiter to make two more placements a month each 
across that size of business, you're talking a revenue increase Double. to backfill maybe the solution of not having organic traffic as well, sorry, or organic traffic. And what we have to do and what I'm learning to do in the onboarding process is that you can't change these habits overnight. You know, Optimal is a value creator, it's not a value destroyer. Once our recruiters have seen the value we can create for them, then they're starting to really understand and, and use it wisely and use it, use it smartly. But also we've got to try and fit into that ecosystem as well because I don't want my customers having to use five, 10 different technologies and different platforms. We've got to be part of the ecosystem mm. because we should all want to you know, help all of our customers advance in terms of what they're doing. And you can do that with, with the solution that you've built. It's, it's not just about having a well-written job ad, but for the fact that it, it's gender-coded, it Google for jobs kind of set up and related. Everything is built into one solution where what you put in, you get out the right answer rather than going yeah. through lots of different tests. You've got Textio uh, that does one thing and you've got others that do the other, whereas actually here in one place, you have, you're creating something that solves that big problem, SEO as well as everything else in terms of who applies for what jobs, making sure that you're getting the right type of people, not just a, a male job ad because it was written by a man or, or the hiring manager is a woman, but actually that you're getting the right candidates for the job. Yeah, and, and to be honest, a lot of that is down to Warren, uh, my CTO. I keep saying my CTO, like I own him. He's just, <laughs> he's just, so pleased. He's just a fabulously wonderful man, but one of the most uh, talented sort of technical engineers, agile design coach, you name it, this guy can do it. And again, I I set him a challenge and invariably Warren come back in a week's time and he'll have thought through that challenge and he'll develop something within the platform to solve to solve our customers' um, problems. And we both approach technology. How can we solve this problem? Technology can help us solve that problem. But yeah, the, the gender decoding thing, I was trying to work out where that came from and I, I did a one year of gender studies at university and my, my lecturer, Joss West Burnham, she's an amazing woman. She opened my eyes to the universe. She gave me Simone de Beauvoir. She gave me Better Freud in the Second Sex. She gave me all of these books. And we then bizarrely examined our Argos catalogues. We all grew up with Argos catalogues, you know, just about the gender stereotyping of the Argos catalogue. The colours of the, and the toys, the colours of the, the clothes that the young babies, completely off track here. But since that day, I've always had this bias in my mind about looking for where biases are in society. And again, talking to some of our customers about the challenges they have within the, the science, technology, engineering, manufacturing roles. They're like, we need to attract some female candidates. So again, Warren's done some research. We've worked with a couple of folks in the US as well and built out the gender decoding tool, which from business point of view is fantastic but also from a personal point of view, it's absolutely thrilling that we can you know, hopefully make a little bit of a difference. We're already starting to see an increase in female applications across these roles. And as you know, Warren Buffett says, it's amazing how well the world has functioned when we've only addressed 50% of the potential workforce. So again, we're doing a little bit, but again, we know the larger corporations have gender equality in the workplace as you know, a number one priority for most of their CEOs. So timing is timing's pretty good. It, it definitely is. I mean, even the last few months, you must have seen some tragic job ads. I can imagine there's been some, some really question, questionable stuff. What do you think is the one biggest thing that recruiters, recruitment business owners, they, people are getting wrong when they're building a job ad? There are lots, but if you could pick one. <laughs> no comment. Um, the thing with marketeers is you have to have a, a vault of empathy to do your job well. Because you have to understand what you're building a product for and who you're building that product for as well. And I think the challenge that recruiters have, some, not all by any means, they don't think about the candidate. They think about profit, they think about bottom line, they think about just getting that candidate in for the interview as well. And that's always reflected in the adverts that we see, even when they're templated from a business. It's just how many can we do, how quickly can we do that as well. So I think empathy is a huge thing, not really thinking about the candidate. And I get that because when you're focused, when you're hitting the phones or you're sourcing, 
you're in that mode. Uh, I think the second thing is length. Length is just absurd. You know, you see certain companies feel they need to include every single word in the English language 15 times, otherwise it's not a credible job advert. So length is you don't have to, you don't have to sell everything in the job advert. And the job advert principally is to screen, but also qualify that application. Screening is as important as qualification. So yeah, for me, just empathy really, and also just not putting every single detail that they will need to do on day one of their job. And it's almost, you get the complete opposite as well. You get a list of, you need to do this, this, and this, and you must have this, this, and this to qualify for the role. When actually that you don't. excludes yep. the large majority of people. We all know what a um, what the perfect candidate might look like on paper, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the right personality fit for the team, or they have the right empathy, understanding, ability to learn and grow, you know, etc. fit. I mean, yeah. And you get you get recruiters who just write lists. Yep. Here is what you will do and here is what you need to have to be able to apply for this job. When the reality is that's not an advert. That's a bullet point. That's a list. Yeah, a that's list what you send things. to Santa Claus, right? Yeah. You know, I would really like all of these all of these presents, please when actually what, what you want is the right person. Yeah, and I think it's, you've got eight seconds to pique a candidate's interest, eight seconds. So you're, you're on your train on the way to work, you're walking to work, you may be in some recreational time. The first time that candidate sees the role, which is invariably on mobile, I think access by about 70% of people on mobile, the opening paragraph is the most important aspect of that role. And what we started to do with the opening paragraph and different elements of it. Please use, tell me you're going to say, take out my client. On behalf of. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we won't get into an arm wrestle with some clients because, right, this is day one, this is step yep, one. Yep. We'll, 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 we'll lead them down that path. Yeah, absolutely. But it's so important that that opening paragraph is, is really going to entice that candidate because much like your, much like Darren said last week, it's, it's, it's a first date, you know. Just enable them to be excited and interested in the role that you're going to provide them as well. Well, but then equally, we know we're working across 36 different verticals at the moment. We know what inspires a Java developer. We know what ultimately makes a uh, delivery driver quite enthusiastic. So there are absolute nuances, both locally and nationally, regionally, and also the, the grammar, the language, and the accents are slightly different. And it's quite interesting when you start really getting into that. Also how uh, algorithms, how they prioritize certain words and certain commas. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating stuff. You said earlier that, that a lot of recruitment companies have this on their list, looking at job descriptions, looking at ad but it tends to get pushed down somewhere. It may have been six months or two years that they've had it on the list but not got round to it. What advice would you give to any recruiter, team leader, business owner that knows that there's a problem but doesn't know where to start? First we'll get you into do some consultancy because I, I think you're pretty ace, obviously. Yeah, I think, and again, not just talking about our company, but the product that we've built, we remotely onboard people within 15 minutes. There's no integration, there's no data or privacy concerns. It's incredibly simple to do. So if you actually you think, oh my God, it's going to take me so much time. I've got to get all these different stakeholders on board. It's, it's really simple. It's about testing. It's about learning and it's letting data prove that the adverts that we've optimized are having a much more impact, having a greater impact to attract quality candidates than the ones we currently have. So I think it's just getting some advocates on board within the business. Because again, you know, what you and I are talking about is not top secret, is it? It's everything we know. There are a couple of companies I've, I've seen that write exceptionally well optimized adverts, but they probably have a recruitment team of 30 or 40, whereas even some of the greedy great companies, people like Pertemps, their media team is three people across thousands of recruiters. So a lot of the time it's it's not on number one on the list, but it's getting towards number one, number two, number three, particularly around the gender diversity piece, because that 
that's a lot of their bosses, bosses, bosses priority. So I think I think time is a big thing, building advocacy within your company, but also reaching out to people like you, people like myself, some of the other brilliant people we have on the podcast, because we have very smart technology-led solutions that are frictionlessly integrated into your business, but can also solve a number one pain point. And ultimately, we're here to help. I think people you've had on the podcast have really enjoyed because they've got the customer's best intentions at heart. They're looking to enable technology to drive change and to make change. And I think we are in a, in a really exciting period in terms of recruitment, in terms of uh, the hiring landscape, in terms of technology, where it's it's not, not an option, but now it's right, okay, we've got to address this. And some of my customers are working with four or five different technology solutions as well, and they're seeing an incredible improvement. And also, when you go out to hire recruiters, when you go out to hire staff, it speaks a lot about your internal technology stack as well, about what platforms you're working with as well, because ultimately, how are you going to help me develop my career? What technologies am I going to learn? How can you make my job, my life easier? And ultimately, you know, nothing wrong with wanting to earn buckets of cash as well. So I think it speaks a lot during your own internal processes, speaking about we are using this technology, this technology as well to help solve some challenges that you have. It, it can be quite quite a part of the attraction process. And it's certainly a USP for a lot of agencies to be ones that actually focus on bringing in talent, bringing in talent organically. Whereas you're not just saying we use LinkedIn, we scour LinkedIn for anyone who matches keyword search. We're actually advertising the roles in the right way using technology to bring in the right candidates so that we spend more time finding the best shortlist, not just finding a shortlist. Absolutely. I went on a joint pitch with a client last week, which was amazing because it was just, it was great fun. But also he's a very big staffing, he works a very big staffing agency. He has a unique, he has a unique proposition at the moment that no, no visitor, the competitors have has, have, sorry, he can address that gender bias in all of his adverts, which happens to be this very well-known technology company's number one priority. So again, you're going in to have your normal conversations with your clients. You can have new conversations and different conversations as well when you're working with companies like Get Optimal Content. If you could change one thing about the recruitment industry, what would it be? Oh, that's a bloody good question. You didn't prep me for that one. Um, I didn't prep you for any of them. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You can't complain about this. What would it be? I think back to, uh, indeed, put a lot of data inside my brain in my couple of years there, but I think it was around 62% of candidates never get a response to their job application. I've been made redundant twice. It was was traumatic once. It was really good the second time. And I applied for jobs. I never heard back as well. And uh, Chris Himes, the the old chairman of Indeed, said this incredible thing once. Searching for a job is one of the most important searches of your life. I'm an old cynical man, but that was just, that really meant a lot to me. And I think if recruiters could just spend that time getting back to those candidates, look, you're not right today, Victoria. really, really sorry. Good luck or we'll be in contact again in the future if another role occurs because I've already got your attention. You're already in contact with my company as well, but to not respond, to not even send an automated email, which let's be honest, my six-year-old can send an automated email. I think it's just just having empathy for other people and how they feel in their current situation because, you know, we, all, we love what we do and it's important to have a job, you know, financially, emotionally, physically, and I think just for the health of society, right? Definitely. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me.